We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Dice Tradecast, brought to you by Rotoviz Radio and my FFPC. Uh, today, uh, I am joined by my good friend, Dan Senio. Dan, it's just me and you tonight. It's uh, the boys. Uh, we're back together. I missed one week uh, with my so-called traveling to Nashville for no reason. Um, it was nice and cold, but, you know, it was a nice little break from the 89 degrees in the middle of March. Yeah, it's a lot like you to to miss a show. So I guess that was uh, pretty expected. Um, <laughs> no, I'm glad. I'm glad you got you got your first break, and I probably since the one the one time you missed an episode with technical difficulties. I think that's probably the only time you miss episodes is because of that. So, oh, I, I was I was I was literally in the air one time in a plane once, so I missed that. Episode. <laughs> you might have had better audio had you recorded. <laughs> no, it's good. Uh, we've got we've got two of the three amigos, so hopefully, uh, hopefully next week. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season: forty to seventy-five percent off everything, plus doorbusters August thirtieth through September second only. Tees from four ninety-nine, logo styles from sixteen ninety-nine, and jeans from nineteen ninety-nine. Shop in store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. Week or or in the near future, we get our third amigo back, but uh, we'll we'll make do. Yep. And just so everyone knows, we're kind of in this little bit of a lull. You know, most of the big free agency signings have gone through, and we have probably talked rookies to death on every podcast, every article, every Twitter. And so we're going to take a little break from the rookies, take a little break from free agency. We're going to dive into some Debbie. I do have some Debbie drafts kicking off now, some that want to finish before the NFL draft, and some that happen later in the offseason 
as well. So we're going to talk about the nuances of, of favorite settings in Debbie leagues, as well as how to value players. We're going to get a little bit into the player specifics later in the show, but for the most part, the beginning of the show is going to be generic things we, that we like about, uh, you know, types of players in Debbie leagues or just things we like in Debbie leagues. So before we get into the show, as a little podcast listener, you can get 30% off a Rotoviz NFL pass for the 2019 season. It's available through the NFL podcast homepage, rotaviz.com slash podcast. The 2019 season is around the corner. Make sure you're ready. Gain limited access to all of our NFL content and tools so you can get amazing value and support the podcast network. Once again, that's rotaviz.com slash podcast. All right, let's get into the show, get some Debbie talk going. Now, we, we've discussed in, in, on another podcast platform ways to get leagues more uh you know active and you know different things to be going on in leagues we said debbie is honestly one of the best ways to do that so if you have a league that maybe you want to infiltrate with some trades or maybe you want to start a league that you want to have lots of of trading and and activity in debbie's the best way to do it so let's say we're that our listeners are going to be starting a debbie league uh and let's say they have limited to no debbie experience what would you suggest they have as how many Debbies come into the league each year. So if it's if it's a bunch of um, folks that are new to Debbie, uh, whether it's a startup or a league transitioning into Debbie uh, in, in an existing league, I think I think it's important to to not dive in head first and go like four rounds or anything crazy like that. I think if you do transition to Debbie or are doing a startup and no one has ever done it before and you want to try it. I think starting small, one round, uh, maybe two, just kind of depends on on how deep everyone is willing to go, the knowledge of college football, um, you know, things like that. And, and a lot of times you can rely on rankings and things like that. But honestly, for folks that aren't really into it or um, you may end up just trading away their their spots, starting small is a, probably a good idea so folks can kind of get the idea of how the rookie picks will be affected by um, by Debbie coming in, whether you have Debbie and Rookie combined with a cap on how many you can have of, of Debbie, things like that. I just think starting small and then if people kind of get into it and it works and it makes sense, I think at that point you can start to kick it up maybe in the in the coming years. But year one, I think it's it's smart to start small. Yeah, I think that going with one one round or, or one per team in an auction type format is a little bit shallow. That doesn't really get your teeth into the Debbie. That's more. I mean, I know that people have um, criticized uh, shallow uh, IDP leagues. where like, oh, if you have like one linebacker, one defensive lineman, one defensive back, that's not really getting you into IDP. That's just you know adding positions for the sake of a position. And I kind of think that's the same case with with one uh, Debbie. And it may not seem like much, but going from one Debbie to two Debbies is a big jump where you there's a little bit more research that needs to get done and there's more ways to build your team in a two round Debbie league. My personal preference is three. I think three is the, the number that, you know, you're getting people a little bit out of their comfort zone, but also it's not like you're going to sink your team by trading away all your Debbies or by investing your uh, Debbies into bad players. Cause there is still rankings and things like that readily available for a, you know, 36 total Debbies in a, in a three rounder or something along those lines. So that, that's kind of my preference is three per team, but I, I do think that two to three is, is the sweet spot. Yeah. And you know, people might think or overvalue some of these and, and want to talk about rookie picks being dart throws or, or things like that. This is a true dart throw. This is just 100% upside. There is zero floor built into any of this. Unless we're talking super flex and you know, you know, if someone like Andrew Luck 
you know, going into his second or third year or whatever it was at Stanford when he was like, everyone, this is the next big thing. You know, when there's floors like that built in, that's a little bit different. But for the most part, um, you know, guys really aren't sure things. Even, you know, Saquon Barkley was another example of someone who was like elite that was absolutely going to smash hit. We don't have those in every single rookie class. So having to look a couple more years in advance, we're even further away from having sure things. So that's that's one more thing to look at, especially when you're considering how deep you want to go with your Debbie spots. It's whether it's two dart throws, three, you know, things like that. I, I just you have to be really careful not to overvalue uh, those those spots because that you know if you start trading away some of your assets to get into more Debbie spots, that's a good way to ruin a team. But sticking with what you have and picking wherever you pick or auctioning with whatever cash that you have, that's just kind of a nice easy way to get a you know a free dart throw every single season and and maybe land someone big in the coming years. But yeah, really fully sinking in. And we'll talk about this more as we go. But um, that's that's one way for for beginner leagues that haven't done Debbie before uh, where you can kind of get yourself into some trouble. Yeah, and certainly we've seen other leagues uh, that go in a bit deeper, you know, 10, 12 rounds. And something that I learned recently that will get you in trouble if you go into a deeper league on my fantasy league, you can only enter 200 custom players. So if you're going deep enough to where you're entering like 100, 110 players in a single season, then you might run out of space on MFL and you might have to track your Debbies on a separate platform, which is kind of a pain, which, so basically I wouldn't, cons- I wouldn't uh, recommend going that deep to where you'll have to be tracking players outside of just MFL. Right. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to have to have placeholders and, you know, extra spreadsheets and this and that and the other thing. I think, I think keeping it within reason and making sure that, you know, you're not going to run into a ton of issues because adding adding custom players isn't really all that difficult. But having to deal with 200 of them over, say, a three year span before some folks get into the league, that can be a headache. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on to we, this kind of gets discussed in general dynasty, but I think it kind of gets more focused on even more in Debbie. And that's what do you do with your Debbie picks? What do you do with your Debbie assets? There are kind of three schools of thought. There's the heavily invested. I want to trade for everyone's Debbie picks. I want to use all my Debbie picks. There's the completely fading. They say, okay, as soon as I get my Debbie picks, I want them off my roster. I want to send them for rookie picks. I want to send them for veterans, whatever it may be. And then there's just staying the status quo, which I think that it might be the most reasonable and maybe even the best possible strategy is just keeping your picks because that, that way, I mean, as long as you're not just making absolutely terrible picks, I think that's the best way to have a balanced team is just, you know, make your Debbie picks. Sure, you can make trades with future rookie picks and things like that. But I think that for me, as someone who has gotten heavily invested into Debbie, I think that you can get ahead of yourself a bit, even more so than when you do with rookie picks. I think that Debbie picks, there's a fascination with them. And as it grows and you build more and more and more, and then you end up not competing for four years. Or if you completely fade, four years down the road, you don't have any – future assets and you're playing with like three Jordy Nelsons on your team. Right. And, and being heavily invested, you know, you're, you're either looking at a rebuilder or just a true Debbie guy. So if you have historical hits and you do pretty well in Debbie, you know, maybe adding an extra pick or some extra cash or whatever it happens to be to, to kind of dig, dig at your teeth in a little bit and, and make sure you're getting your guys knowing what you're getting yourself into. That's one thing. Uh, but overdoing it and unloading a roster just to get into what potentially could be a, an amazing class in some years. So like three years ago when the 2019 wide receiver class started to get hyped up a whole bunch, 
um, people kind of went overboard and started getting too much Nikhil Harry and too much Calvin Harmon and and too much DK Metcalf. And I mean, the the odds are stacked against you that all of those guys are going to hit. Now, coming into our rookie drafts, now they're all looking like pretty early picks. But that's not always the case. You can very easily fall into getting just the wrong guys that because they were a five star at some time and had all these offers and this and that and the other thing they had real potential but these guys are built to be college football players and only the truly elite become the nfl players so that's that's one way you can kind of get stuck but heavily investing is it is as a rebuilder it can help as long as you're not completely dismantling whatever base you have as a as a rebuilder um, that can be kind of a nice way to relatively cheaply get some some future value on your team and then as as a true debbie guy whether your team's competing or not uh again that can be a little bit cheaper of a way rather than waiting until the rookie draft to to make sure you're getting your hands on your guys so honestly like you said nathan i think status quo just kind of maintaining um just taking taking what you have and and using those spots to to kind of pad your roster a little bit, that's probably the smartest move. Now, if you have absolutely no interest or have just no idea how to evaluate players or don't want to deal with digging up rankings and going through this, that, and the other thing, sometimes it's the best move to avoid because you can still get pretty good value for for most of these picks. Uh, a lot of a lot of leagues have a few owners that are willing to pay pretty good money to get their hands on on those spots because they think that they know that what they're doing. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. It's just kind of the nature of the beast. So if if you're truly wanting out, I mean, trading them isn't the worst thing in the world because you're going to get some decent return. You're not going to be overwhelmed by what you're getting in return, but it, it can add a little bit of short-term value rather than waiting for for the long the long game. And I have obviously on a number of platforms talked about the benefit of making bad offers. I think that the, one of the best places to make bad offers is incoming owners into Debbie leagues, because a lot of the times they will severely undervalue the, the Debbie assets, not just because they don't know what it, like it, it's worth, but just because they haven't seen the transactions for Debbie picks in that league. They haven't done their research. Oh, this, this type of Debbie asset is worth, you know, X amount of dollars and they're paying half that or they're accepting half that price. And so I, I do think that there, there are ways to take advantage of new owners coming into Debbie leagues more so than even a normal league. And that can even be used as a little bit of a test to see kind of where they stand, whether they undervalue or overvalue, because if you get a response that says not even close, I would want this, this, and this, then it becomes an opportunity for you to sell. So starting with that, not necessarily, you know, going full salamander on it, but, um, making, making somewhat of, you know, an, an underwhelming offer and seeing kind of where it goes and just kind of use that. Like, like Leo Pasiga always says, get that down in your notebook and you know, for future what to do with these folks. All right, let's move on to valuing Debbie picks versus rookie picks. So Dan, is it a one-to-one thing or is it a two-to-one thing? How would you value a rookie pick? Let's let's say the, the rookie drafts and Debbie drafts are separate because I feel like that's more common than than the combined. The rookie 101 versus the Debbie 101, the rookie 106 versus the Debbie 106. How do these type of picks compare? Is the rookie more valuable in most cases the Debbie? What are, what are your general thoughts? It The context of that depends a little bit on how many Debbie are out. Um, it depends on if you have a requirement of – 
having guys sitting on your bench for at least two years, like some Debbie leagues are. Uh, so honestly, when, when it comes time, the rookie picks, especially the top, you know, three to five or so, because a lot of times you're still having those, you know, you're still having those high end players because we don't hit every single class right on the nuts. That's just, it's never going to happen. So those really early rookie picks are definitely more valuable, but because of the depth of it, those any Debbie pick is worth a lot more than any rookie pick outside of a certain point because you can get a top five Debbie asset in the third round, depending on who you're drafting with. It happens. Guys slide. People have different rankings. People don't like guys from certain schools. There's curses. This, you know, whatever. Um, whereas rookie picks, everything's kind of a flat line. You're not really seeing a whole lot of change. Um, now, with the rookie picks, you know what you're getting, at least a little bit. You know what team they're on. You know what kind of offense they're going into. And Debbie, anything could happen. They could, you know, severely injure their neck and be out forever. That's, you know, those, that's the risk. The risk of the Debbie, it, it likely has the highest reward where rookie picks are more floor value. So I guess it depends on how you value ceiling versus floor. Uh, I think for me, I would rather have a top three to five rookie pick in a Debbie depleted draft than any Debbie pick, uh, unless it's you know a fresh one where every single Debbie asset is still available. That's the only time really you would see a Debbie, a Debbie class be worth more than rookie classes when everyone's still available in your first year of a Debbie. For me, my, my separation of the value in rookie and Debbie picks is, well, like I said, we're going to assume two to three uh, rounds, you know, two, two to three times whatever the, the league amount is. So 12-teamer would be 24 to 36. And in that format, I would say that the lower you go in the draft, the higher the value of the Debbie pick goes compared to the rookie pick. So when we're talking about the rookie 101 and the Debbie 101, those are going to be very close in value and it might even skew towards the rookie 101 because you're getting the immediate value and you're getting the the floor and the safety of the pick. But as you go lower into the first round, once you go to like the 106, a Debbie 106 versus rookie 106, it's going to be even closer. That that might even be a 50-50 proposition, maybe even leaning slightly towards the Debbie. But once you get to rookie 112 in that type of format, you're really getting, you know, the guys that are t- getting taken on day three of the NFL draft, the guys that are more of a dart throw. Not very often are there, you know, quality fantasy type assets falling to the 112 of the rookie draft in a Debbie league. So basically my, my point is, is that the lo- the lower you go, the higher the value of the Debbie pick. A third round Debbie pick is worth more in trade value than a third round rookie pick in a normal dynasty league. And so basically the, the separation between Debbie picks individually is a lot shorter from the 101 to the 112, to the 201 to the 212. Basically, each pick is is lower separated than a rookie, and it and that intensifies any Debbie league for rookie drafts because the cliff can fall at any time. If you have you know let's say six good assets, the 107 could be a guy you're not even worth rostering. Right. Yeah. There, there's really no cliff in in Debbie drafts unless you're drafting you know, 10 rounds or something crazy like that. And this is your sixth year in the league and you just have no, no way to get anybody outside of picking guys that are three years out. Um, that's, that's really the only time there might be a cliff. And even then you can always find a four or a five star somewhere that didn't get drafted. So, yeah, I think, I think we basically said the same thing. We just, you just went in a little more in depth. <laughs> 
Yep. All right. Let's go to the next one, which is a highly debated topic, and it's something we debate in Dynasty. Basically, Dynasty and Debbie, and obviously De- Debbie is an element of Dynasty. Debbie's just Dynasty zoomed in. Everything we think about in Dynasty, Debbie is just like intensified for it. So wait time. We talk about you know waiting on on rookies and waiting on on young players to develop. Well, it's the same way with Debbie players, where you're waiting on them to get to the NFL. And so when you're when you're considering a Debbie pick, you're considering who you want to win in an auction. How much does their class uh, impact it? And like, is there a specific like formula? Oh, if this guy is this much talented, he's worth waiting an extra the extra year for. What are your thoughts on waiting on Debbie picks? I think I think when all th- when all things are equal, so you let's say you have two players you like equally, and but one's coming out a year prior. I think you absolutely take wherever the points are going to happen first. But if you have someone who's you know, top ten asset versus two years out, the like guaranteed lock in one hundred and one, which obviously we don't really know that very often. But in those situations, if you have a lower end asset, that's probably going to be an okay an okay fantasy producer versus a potential 101 or top three pick. I think at that point you go talent over production, but when things are equal, I think you always take the production first. I also think that your team structure now you're not necessarily drafting for need when it comes to Debbie, you're basically just taking the best player available. But I do think that when you have a better roster, a playoff roster, maybe a a consistently competing team, you can afford to take the big swings for the, young freshman, the, the, the five-star quarterback, the five-star wide receiver. And whereas if you're, you know, a team that's building up to, you know, possibly being a playoff team in the next couple of years, you're going to want the player on your roster more quickly to A, score points for you, or B, players that are entering the NFL are obviously going to have more value, you know, than the, their, their college counterparts. Parts. So uh, basically I'm when I'm competing, I'm more likely to, you know, get the, the stuff – immediately. But if I have a good team that I know, okay, I'm not going to, this, this rookie isn't going to crack my starting lineup this year or the next year, then I might take the big swing with the freshman. Right. And going back just, just quickly to a thing that you mentioned about drafting for need, that should never be the case in Debbie. You should always, always, always be taking the best player available, become very acquainted with your scoring setups Make sure that if you're playing in a points per carry league, that running back becomes your your first option. If it's a super flex league, quarterbacks should be hot and heavy because that's the cheapest that they're ever going to be is coming through Debbie drafts. That's that's very, very important to know your structure of your league when, when you know, in any case, whether it's Debbie or not, you should absolutely know your league structure. But it's very important in this situation because it's likely the cheapest the players are ever going to be. All right. Speaking of the cheapest a player is ever going to be, oftentimes people talk about in uh, Superflex rookie drafts that the cheapest time to ever buy a quarterback in Superflex is in the rookie draft, is in the startup. Is that the same? Is it the same in, in Devi leagues? Are you often investing at court in quarterbacks in Devi? Or is that such a, a difficult proposition to project who's going to be the starting quarterbacks? There's only 32 of them, and there's hundreds of college starting quarterbacks. Uh, what are your thoughts on Devi quarterbacks? Yeah, I, mean, I just I just mentioned it, but if you can get into a quarterback in a Debbie draft that has you know has a decent projection to become an NFL quarterback starter or not, if they're on a team, they gain value uh, in Superflex. So I'm I'm when I can, I'm I'm sinking in and I'm trying to get quarterback. A lot of times in in the leagues that you and I both play in, those quarterbacks are coming off really early. 
and they can be hard to to get but again that's the cheapest they're going to be so trading up to get them is as cheap as it's going to get because once it comes their time and once they become rookies their value skyrockets that's just the way it is that's you know the, the wait time if you can buy a quarterback even even post draft if they're two years out but you really like them still go try to buy them because again that's the cheapest they're going to be so yeah, I think I think getting into some quarterbacks in one way or another, uh, in like you said, Debbie startup, whether it's a rookie draft, whatever it happens to be, when when the initial quarterback, you know, they're coming in into whatever format you're playing, that's absolutely the cheapest they're going to be. But for me, there has to be some risk analysis, and as far as just getting the amount of uh, there's got to be quantity. You can't just pick one Debbie quarterback because the, the hit rate is so low on Debbie quarterbacks. Yes, you need them in Superflex. And there's we've actually had quite a few, uh, you know, hit non-Debbie hits in Debbie leagues. We've had Baker Mayfield come up. We've had Kyler Murray come up. And obviously those are kind of the exceptions. For the most part, there's the Sam Darns, the Josh Rhodes, the Andrew Lux, the guys that have been owned since they, you know, stepped foot on a college campus. But And you can't necessarily rely on the Kyler Murrays of the world. But I do think that those guys have shown it's not impossible to, to find quarterbacks outside of Debbie. So if I'm if I'm investing in quarterback at Debbie, it's not going to just be one. It's going to be two or three. Uh, and if it's and if it's not, then I'm just going to, you know, try and luck my way into one of those guys that try and uh, sneaks through the cracks. Definitely. Yeah. And and, you know, like you mentioned with the risk analysis, if, you, if there's a guy that's absolutely a lock to be a fantasy producer or a star in the NFL, that should be taken consideration over a, a QB four or something like that. Obviously last year we wouldn't be drafting. We're not going to be drafting Josh Rosen over Saquon Barkley. That wasn't the case then. It's not the case now. It would never be the case. Yes. Quarterbacks and Superflex have tons and tons and tons of value, but we're just, we're never, we're never taking quarterback over the tie, the, the top end assets in, at other positions. To sum up the quarterback position, uh, it's a very high risk, high reward proposition. Uh, you know, m- m- most of your quarterbacks you draft in Debbie won't even end up being NFL starting quarterbacks. But the few that do are going to pay off so well, whether in trade value or in actual value of you starting them once they get to the NFL, that they will be worth you know the three or four misses as long as you have one hit in there. All right, let's move on to the tight end position. Tight end notoriously a slow developing position in the NFL. Uh, you know, a lot of tight ends don't produce fantasy value until years two, three, even four. We've had some early producers in recent years with George Kittle and O.J. Howard and guys like that. But for the most part, there is a development process. And if you draft a, a Debbie tight end, you know, you're waiting for them to get to the NFL. And then once that happens, you're waiting for them to develop once they're in the NFL. So does that scare you away from the tight end position in Debbie? Or do you think that people undervalue tight ends? No, I think I think. A mostly full of void for me is is the way I approach tight end and Debbie. Um, now, if we're talking really deep, you know, Debbie drafts maybe take a take a chance on on a couple of guys. But if it's if it's thinned out, if it's two rounds, three rounds, whatever it happens to be, um, it's it's really tough to to have to play that waiting game because even if they are a higher end prospect, we don't know what they're going to be in the NFL. They they a lot of times don't pan out. Um, now, again, if it's year one in your Debbie, and so let's say, for instance, last year, year one in your Debbie, however many rounds you have, Noah Fant was probably drafted, and he probably should have been drafted. And now here we are in 2019. We should, you know, that that's 
probably considered a hit. He's going to have some value whether he goes to a great team or not. And before his production happens, he's going to have some some decent value. But then obviously you get TJ Hawkinson and and um, Irv Irv Smith. Um, you know you're gonna you're gonna have other guys come through that are going to add value. So in Debbie, it's kind of hard to recognize the high end tight end assets. You know, there's some of the guys that stick out for a little bit. Uh, some guys that get redshirted only play two years. Um, and sometimes they're just kind of physical freaks. And that kind of works out with, you know, your David Njoku's or Evan Ingram's guys like that, who were kind of highly sought after in, in Debbie and then even more so as rookies. But for me, it's such, it's so hard to, to project and, you know, just NFL in general, trying to get it at the most clustered position of, mostly non-producers in the big scheme of things it's honestly it's not really a worthy uh, a worthy risk to take because you're likely going to be able to get those guys in the rookie drafts and you're going to know kind of a little bit more what you're getting themselves into whether they have draft capital uh and you know maybe they came out of nowhere and somebody grabs one guys like hayden hurst you never in a million years would have drafted him in a debbie in a debbie draft and a lot of times he was sliding in rookie drafts so Tight end just, yeah, it's it's a little bit too much for me. Yeah, my, my general view on tight end is that unless there's like an O.J. Howard type, which, you know, pretty much since he was like a freshman in college, he looked like he was locked to be an NFL first-round pick. And even then it's like, oh, I don't, do I really want to wait this long on the production of a Debbie pick? And so, yeah, I, it's a general avoid for me as well. But I do think that there's an argument for in deeper Debbie leagues when we have four or five, six – then since everyone is saying they're overvalued or, or they're not worth drafting or they're overvalued, then it's like, well, if you can get OJ Howard in the fifth round of a Debbie league and get up his production a year later, obviously not every Debbie tight end turns into OJ Howard, but when you have that possibility, it's worth it in a deeper Debbie league. Definitely. Yeah. Like I said, if, it, if it's deep for sure, go, you know, take a, take a late shot on one. If you're running out of guys to draft or you get sniped on a pick or, you know, your, your big board gets, gets run through too quickly um, or again, if it's year one in your Debbie and it's, you know, three rounds that your last round pick could be, you know, again, like a Noah fan, someone like that, who we've known about. All right, let's wrap up, uh, the discussion before we get into a little bit of ranking talk, uh, early college production versus stuck behind a stud. So oftentimes with, with some of the top programs, the Clemson's, the Alabama's, uh, you know, schools like that the young freshmen don't really get a chance because they still have sophomores and juniors and seniors producing to where they just aren't getting the playing time. They aren't getting on the field. And obviously when there's freshmen that are producing at those type of schools, that means go out and get those guys. There's the Amari Coopers. There's the, you know, all the Clemson wide receivers we've seen recently who produced as freshmen. Um, but just in, in general, early college production, you know, you look at a Rondell Moore or stuck behind a stud. You have Miles Sanders who was stuck behind Saquon Barkley um, how do you kind of value, you know, a guy getting the opportunity versus a guy who might just be stuck behind, an, a, you know, a future NFL star? Yeah, I mean, breakout age is important. So getting these guys to produce at an early age definitely matters. Like you mentioned, guys like Amari Cooper, guys that can just, whether they're true freshmen or or redshirt freshmen, whatever, whatever it happens to be, redshirt sophomore, I suppose, at that point. Uh, it You know, that the breakout age definitely matters when we're looking at the higher end Debbie assets. But there's always context. There's always a reason why someone's not playing that was maybe highly touted. That was a five-star that came into an Alabama program or an Oklahoma program or, or some, 
some big program where they're just constantly getting really good players at all of the skill positions. Clemson, for instance, with all those wide receivers, that's it's just going to be kind of a forever thing where two of the five that they have are going to produce and the other guys that you may have loved coming out of high school, going into freshman year, whatever it happens to be, just don't really get the nod. So I think, I think, like I said, breakout age definitely is, I mean, it has a pretty heavy weight for me when we're looking at, you know, Debbie, Debbie prospects and even as rookie prospects, looking back at that and seeing kind of when it all popped that that matters. But if you can find some diamonds kind of hidden in the rough a little bit that gets stuck behind these players, for instance, Alvin Kamara stuck behind Jalen Hurd for some God awful reason, those, those types of players, you know, production obviously is a big thing, but it's not the end all be all. You can find players that are going to produce that maybe didn't get all of the opportunity that they wanted in, in college. You know, look at this year, someone like Josh Jacobs, People are saying he's the best the best running back in this class. Well, we wouldn't have known that. I don't think he was drafted a whole lot of anywhere because he was stuck behind Najee Harris and Damian Harris and all of the other Alabama running backs that they've had. So honestly, it's it's yeah, it's you you have to if you're gonna dive in, I think you have to dive in fully and, and really look through all of these, all of the different rosters, look through all of the different reports from from the rankings places that put out how many stars everyone has, whether it's 247 or all of the other websites you you need to look at these things and figure out why these guys aren't getting the production because if you're stuck behind elite assets you just you know schools aren't going to use you until until that happens so i think yeah i think breakout age is is my number one thing though when i'm when i'm looking around yeah and then i mean it's obviously one of the big things i i do in my evaluation process as well but the one error in in the breakout age process is when you start looking at uh lower schools guys who have less talent that they're competing with yes it's good that i mean when you have a small school prospect you want them to be dominating on their team but you can't compare leonte caru's rutgers breakout age and dominator rating with amari cooper's alabama dominator rating because there's so much more talented players at Alabama than there was at Rutgers with Leonce Carew. And the, the same, the same thing goes for players that don't produce early at small schools. If a player is at a small school and not producing early, there is something wrong because the, most NFL talents are going to be producing at age 18, age 19. If they're not, if they don't somehow end up at a top school, maybe it's because of their grades. Maybe it's because they grew into their body late into their, uh, you know, high school career. Um, but basically my point is when you're looking at small school prospects, they better have a hot, uh, early breakout age. And another thing too is, and like we said, we've, we've said it like 46 times, the breakout age matters, but the most recent season also matters a lot to me, uh, whether it's a Debbie draft or rookie draft, obviously we're doing Debbie right now. So maybe they're not a freshman, maybe they're not a sophomore, but maybe you're looking at getting a, a junior in a Debbie draft and, Maybe they didn't have a great breakout age. Maybe they didn't break out until, you know, mid 20, you know, 20 and a half, let's say that's a little bit, a little bit later. Sure. But that doesn't mean that that, that season doesn't matter. You know, past, past stats absolutely matter. They should be taken into consideration, but your most recent season is, is one that I look for as well. Uh, and then going back and trying to figure out why they didn't produce as rookies and sophomores, maybe they were buried or maybe they didn't have the opportunity, whatever it happens to be. So, Yes, look at freshman seasons and sophomore seasons, but also heavily consider the most recent seasons, wherever, whatever age they happen to be. 
All righty. Uh, that'll wrap up the, not the Debbie talk, because we're going to talk Debbie more, but that'll talk, the Debbie theory talk. We're going to get more into specific players uh, shortly. But before we do that, I want to let you know that you are Rotoviz fans and give you a brief second to tell you about the good friends of the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. While maybe the offseason for most people, it is definitely not for our listeners or for the players over the FFPC. If you're a diehard who's ready to draft right now, the FFPC best ball leagues are already open for the 2019 season with drafts forming daily, starting at $35 only. I mean, $35 as well as higher entry fees. Are you a fan of the Dynasty format? Over the last few years, FFPC has become the go-to destination for serious Dynasty players. They now have almost 300 active Dynasty Leagues starting at $77 and even have a $5,000 entry Dynasty League. And the best part is not a single Dynasty League has folded in nine years. Limited orphan teams are available to purchase right now and brand new startup Dynasty Leagues will be opening shortly. Don't miss the FFPC experience for his listeners. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. You know, Dan, I think that it'd be a really good promotional uh, consideration if FFPC just gave you, me, and Eric a $5,000 dynasty team. What, what do you think about that? I mean, even if we just got to split one, I'd be okay with that too, but definitely one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I, I was thinking split one too. I wasn't <laughs> going to ask for $15,000, but I, I am crazy enough to ask for a split of $5,000. You know what? I'd take, I'd take a $75 team <laughs> that is true because ffpc is such a fun format all right let's get into we're going to talk a little bit debbie uh the 2020 class the 2021 class the crazies the hardos will say why aren't you going to talk 2022 well dan and i aren't just going to make stuff up we're going to actually talk about players that we know uh not guys that aren't haven't even graduated high school yet <laughs> so anyways uh let's start off dan uh who is your top 2020 Superflex debbie player Straight out of wide receiver university, that'd be running back Travis Etienne. Or how do you say it? Is it Etienne? Etienne, I think. Etienne. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to deny what he's done so far. Uh, I, I think he's probably number two on a lot of people's lists. I happen to think he's basically a lock at this point. I mean, he's not Saquon Barkley by any means, but this this is an NFL back. He's He does pretty much everything we need. Uh, an NFL back to do, especially this day and age, pass catchers and, you know, maybe running backs are going to only run the ball between 200 and 220 times. I think he's got every bit of, of the, you know, the, the cow, (laughs) the bell cow um, build and, and everything. So yeah, he's, he's my number one for sure. Yes. Well, many are claiming that 2020 is the class of the running back and super flex. I think that, Tua Taglo- Taglovia, or however you say his name. We call him Tua. We're on the first name. Tua. Tua. Yeah, me, me and Tua. Uh, he is he is the top of the Debbie Superflex rankings for me. And overall, as well as just for the top uh, – for the 2020 class, I, had, I mean, I, I, I cite the, the number one stat I care about for quarterbacks at the college level is adjusted yards per attempt. And uh, Kyler Murray uh, set the record for yards per attempt at like 12.9 this year. And just behind him uh, for second all-time was Tua at 12.8 with 43 touchdowns, six interceptions. And not to mention, if you had checked that number like in middle of October, that number was like 17. And I was like, what is going on? He is the greatest quarterback to ever live. You know, he cooled down a little bit. You know, he went from greatest quarterback to ever live to one of the best quarterback prospects we've seen in recent memory. So he's my number one 2020 prospect. Um I do like your ETN call as well. I think that, you know, he 
is in the conversation for the top running back with, you know, DeAndre Swift and Cam Akers and, and guys like that and Jonathan Taylor. There's so many good running backs um, that I do think that Tua is more above all the, the rest of the quarterbacks than uh, than ETN is the running backs, if that matters at all. All right, let's go. I mean, I guess th- any thoughts on Tua? No, I think it's it's hard to it's hard to deny that, especially when you consider Superflex. And you know, you throw out the stats with doing basically the same thing that Kyler did. And I think we all see it on the field. I think this is the first real quarterback that Alabama's had in quite a while. So it's it's hard to deny what two has done on the field. And I think he's he's definitely gonna be a, a really, really high end asset when he when he finally declares. So if you can get him in some Debbie, go for it. When if you can if you can load up on those rookie picks. Uh, and super flex, this might be the time to do it because you're probably going to get yourself into some good running backs and good quarterbacks. All right. Now I'll go with my 2020 sleeper. My 2020 sleeper is Tamorian Terry, wide receiver for Florida State. He's 6'4, 197, according to uh, College Football Reference. And uh, he had a bit of a breakout in his uh, redshirt freshman year with Florida State. Florida State in 2018 had one of the worst offenses ever put together by a Power Five college football team. That didn't stop Tamorian Terry. Uh, he had 35 catches for 744 receiving yards, 21.3 yards per catch on an abysmal offense that couldn't move the ball, as well as eight touchdowns. So if you put him in an offense that's actually going to score points, possibly they improve. Maybe they have an actual quarterback in 2020 or 2019. I haven't looked at who their quarterback is. Hopefully it's better than last year. Uh, but uh, I'm all aboard the Tamorian Terry uh, uh, bandwagon. I think that he could you know, be a legitimate like top five wide receiver in next year's class. Yeah. I, that's definitely true. And, and being at a place like Florida state, we'll get to see him quite a bit. Um, honestly, a sleeper for me was someone that was pretty highly sought after right away and kind of slipped because of his year two. Uh, and that's Jamon Osbin, uh, out of a and M. I think, I think he, he was, you know, pretty, pretty well sought after coming in as a freshman, uh, year two took a step back, but, you know, in the SEC, that kind of stuff can happen. Guys can guys can kind of move backwards. I just, it, honestly, I think the talent is still there. Uh, a really big factor in this is the fact that Ryan McDowell still loves him. Uh, so he should be probably a top 25 asset. And I think a lot of people are, you know, having him closer to like a fifth round type Debbie or a, a late fourth, uh, depending on how many people you're drafting. So I still think he's, he's definitely worth a, a solid look relatively early on i think it'd be taking him in a in a two-round debbie draft definitely in three-round debbie draft Uh, i just think he's got he's got a really nice future all right next we're gonna go with the top 2021 super flex uh debbie asset and for many people this is actually the top super flex debbie asset period no matter the class 2020 2021 2022 and that's mr sunshine from clemson that's trevor lawrence uh you know there doesn't seem to be the worries of you know the the far out you know, aspects of a quarterback prospect. He seems to be locked in as a guy that many people say, okay, might as well put him number one in the NFL draft in 2021. So, you know, that type of draft capital, that type of success early on in his career. Yes, he has all the weapons in the world, but, you know, he's been succeeding with them. So that's, you know, there's plenty of bad, I mean, Kelly Bryant didn't do anything with those weapons. So uh, Trevor Lawrence did. Um, So, yeah, he's the the top uh, Debbie asset in that class, and it might not be close. Yeah, that's um, again as far as Superflex goes, you really can't deny that he's he's the real deal, and he's going to be surrounded by elite talent at all the skill positions. It's it's going to be scary to see what he does, and 
since we're already on the Clemson bandwagon, we might as well stay there. Uh, you know, I was going to think about talking about T. Higgins in the uh, the 2020 segment. So since we didn't get to, let's look at Justin Ross. Um, he's like 6'4", 210, and just blew up as a freshman. Uh, is honestly big time playmaker. Uh, he's about as an elite of the wide receivers you can get. Uh, a lot of people are going to say Rondell Moore should be that that number one guy. Um, five nine, like a buck fifty, is a little bit scary for me. I think he's more than that. He's like one seventy. Um, and I like Rondell Moore. I think he's definitely a, a top three, top five asset there. I just think what Justin Ross can do, his build and being around Trevor Lawrence for at least what two more years, I think that's huge. Um, I think we see him continue to to kind of climb the climb the ladder, and I think we see him as kind of a a locked in top five, top six asset. Yeah, and just earlier we talked about how like teams aren't players entering Clemson Alabama sometimes have to wait their turn. Justin Ross did no such thing as waiting his turn. He had forty six catches for a thousand yards, twenty one point seven yards per catch and nine touchdowns, no waiting his turn. He kind of ruined a potential T. Higgins breakout. I have T. Higgins on a bunch of uh, Debbie Dynasty teams. And I'm like, what's going on? Why is this freshman getting his, the action ahead of Ross? I mean, getting, why is Ross getting action ahead of Higgins? And, you know, I just got to deal with it. My, I mean, Higgins is going to be a very solid NFL wide receiver, but he's not up to the level of Ross, that his younger counterpart. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's just, I, I love T Higgins. I loved him. You know, I loved him right away, but Justin Ross is just a better wide receiver. And, and he, I think, I think he's an elite wide receiver. Uh, even at this point, we still got some time left on him, but yeah, like you mentioned what he did as a freshman, you know, just about 50 catches and a thousand yards. It's, it's tough to tough to replicate that at such a young age. All right. Now, uh, Dan, uh, what is your sleeper for the 2021 class? Okay, my 2021 sleeper. So Superflex, we got to consider all of these things. He's probably not as sought after as he should be. He may be in some circles, but I don't hear him talked about quite enough, and and it probably is the transfer. Justin Fields, quarterback, uh, Ohio State. Now, I, he obviously didn't make the greatest de- decision uh, with his original declaration and, and going to, to Georgia, but now he's going to Ohio State. He's going to be surrounded by all sorts of playmakers yet again, and he's a dual-threat QB. I think, I think we see him take college football by storm next year and be in that big-time conversation for the 2021 class. Yep, those are good points on him. I, I I do think that his name name value hasn't been burnt off. That the real opportunity with Justin Fields would have been if he would have had to sit out a year. The fact that he gets to play immediately kind of ruins the bylaw opportunity on him. For sure, yeah. I just I still think he's he's not quite talked about enough, and he should be in that top tier of especially super flex Debbie assets. All right, and I'll wrap up the show with my selection for a 2021 sleeper, and that is Puka Williams of Kansas. Puka Williams is a smaller back, 5'10", 170 pounds. Usually not the type of guy I'm targeting in Debbie Leagues, but I'm not afraid of the size here. I I think that he is a very electric running back at at the college level. Uh, 161 carries, 1125 rushing yards, seven touchdowns, 7.7 yards per carry. And the biggest thing, the biggest thing, yes, I I think that people overreact when – 
running backs don't get a receiving profile in, in college. People say, oh, he's not going to get to the college level. Well, that's just wrong. Time and time again, that's been proven that you don't need to have college receptions to have NFL receptions. But when you're involved, as Puka was in the receiving game, 33 catches in his freshman season for 289 yards and two touchdowns, that's a lot of receiving volume for a guy as a freshman. It's a lot of receiving volume for a bell cow back. That just doesn't happen for the most part at the college level. So I'm all about, you know, Kansas is doing everything they can to get Puka Williams the ball. And I think that that's the good decision. So I, I, I love Puka. I think he's, he's going to be a, a nice uh, Debbie guy to, to buy this offseason. No doubt. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, that's that's re- right when you said it. I was like, yeah, that's a good one. I wish I would have thought of that. <laughs> um, and for all of you psychopaths that are like, well, what about the 2022 season? The only thing that matters for 2022 is Trey Sanders, Alabama. Get it in your head. Write it down. Whatever you got to do, go get yourself some Trey Sanders. If you've got a relatively deep Debbie draft and people aren't really looking at guys that are that far away, get yourself some Trey Sanders. All righty, that'll wrap us up. Thanks for listening to our Debbie edition of the Dice Tradecast. A reminder, you can leave us a rating and a review. I haven't seen many rating and reviews lately. I think you guys should leave some. Say uh, how, how nice Dan's hair is looking. Um, you guys can't see it, but I, I, it's looking pretty good right now. So, uh, yeah, make, make sure you compliment his hair on, in, a, in a rating and review. Compliment my microphone. Uh, shout out to my microphone for working. Um, all right, that'll wrap us up. See you guys next week. Kadoosh. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.